0: Well good morning Coastal, how are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad you're with us today. Before we kind of dive into today, I, I've kind of got two things for us. Uh, number one is is next week. Everybody say next week. Next week, next week is, is a, a fun week for us here at Coastal. Uh, Next weekend and all of our weekend services uh, is T-Shirt Sunday. And so if you haven't been to Coastal on a T-Shirt Sunday, you'll see people walking around with these shirts and say, I love my church. And there's a whole bunch of different ones that are out there. I see some, some people over there in that row, some people back there, and some, some people back here, some people back over here, wearing some I love my shirt, church shirts. And so next weekend is the weekend we give those out. And The only time we give those out is next weekend. They're free 99 to everybody. But you don't get one unless you're here or you buy one on eBay for somebody that's marked it up like a hundred dollars or something. So, uh, but uh, so next weekend, you want to be here for that. Also, uh, the other thing is, is is uh, you know, we're getting close to moving into our future Parkland facility. I mean, it's right around, yeah. Uh, be praying. We have a lot of inspections this week. It's it's all about inspections at this point where as long as we can pass all of our stuff, then we'll be able to move in November 4th. And I know that's what, what everybody wants. And so be praying for us this week. But with that, We also are are in the last uh, moments of our opportunity for this $150,000 generous donation that somebody said that they would give based on us giving and matching it. And so uh, we have a couple weeks left, and so inside your worship gods are blue envelopes like this. Listen, I don't want you to give. What I want you to do is I want you to pray. I want you to pray and ask God how he would want you to be a part. So far towards that, you guys have given about $30,000, so we have $120,000. That's still on the table that that this guy will match us giving. And so that's an incredible, incredible thing. I don't want us to miss out on that moment to be able to go in there in in an incredible, incredible way as a church. And so be praying. Ask God how He'd want you to be a part of being a part of that. And you can give that in any weekend offering or you can email it, whatever. We don't really care. Um, Anyways, today we're in this series called This Is Us. And we started this last week and really these couple of weeks, we just wanted to take a moment, recalibrate, and all get on the same page as a church about who we are, what we're about. And last week we talked about the vision of our church. And the vision of our church, I put it in your worship, guys, is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about people experiencing, knowing, and following in Jesus. And so that is our mission but the strategy of how we accomplish that, what that looks like, comes from a saying that we say around here a lot, and I actually put it in your worship God, as well, with some fill in the blanks, and it's what we're going to talk about today, and honestly, this is our strategy as a church, it's, it's this, it's everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible, everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible, and we believe that with all of our hearts, and, and this isn't just some good idea that we've come up with. We believe that this is scriptural, and it's based out of a story in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking in there. In Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, it says this. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up, and followed him. Now let me give you some context of this story. Um, Matthew is a tax collector. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were about as popular as they are in our day. Anybody excited about uh, you know, April 15th and tax collection? Any hands. There's not a single person, unless maybe you work for the IRS, you're like, yes, I love my, but none of us here do, apparently, so we're good. So tax collectors were not popular then, they're not popular now, but back then they were hated because they despised their own people, they hated their people so much that they turned their backs on their Jewish friends, family, relatives, and now we're, most of the time, we're some shady characters. Uh, that were taking more taxes, that were actually out there, and so they were hated by the Jewish people. And so Jesus walks up to a tax collector named Matthew, and then goes, Hey, Matthew, follow me. So Jesus gives Matthew an invitation to follow him. Now, what's interesting is Jesus extends this invitation to Matthew, And he doesn't give him any stipulations like, Hey, Matthew, if you'll stop being shady and stop selling your people out, then you can follow me. Jesus just goes, Hey, Matthew, why don't you come and follow me? And what's interesting is that invitation to Matthew of come follow me is a formal invitation, not just for Matthew, but it's an invitation for you and it's an invitation for me. Jesus is inviting every single one of us to follow him. It is a formal invitation to us all. Now, what is interesting is In that time, Jesus would have been considered a rabbi or a religious person. And, and, and so for a rabbi to come to a tax collector and invite him to follow was a strange occurrence. In fact, the religious leaders of those days, just kind of like the religious leaders a lot of times in these days, there was a mentality that was out there that that, that very much permeated the culture. And the religious leaders had this mentality of change... And then you can join us. Maybe some of you have experienced that in life. Maybe you've been in church or a religious environment where, hey, if you want to be a part of who we are, you need to dot every I, you need to cross every T, you need to stop doing this and stop doing that and be like this and act this way and talk this way and follow this way. And if you do all of these things, then you can be a part of our cool little clique. Anybody ever experienced that before? Anybody ever had an occurrence like that? And that was the mentality then, just like a lot of times it's the mentality now. And so Jesus comes along, and he kind of flips the script, and he goes, Hey, Matthew, I invite you to follow. And so what Jesus is saying to Matthew is, is Join us, and you'll change. He says, Man, why don't you come be in relationship and see what happens to your life? And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but... People change based on relationships. I watch this, especially in dating and marriage relationships. There's a, there's a great example not too long ago in our church. There was this older, white, very staunch, uh, conservative, Republican guy... Who started dating uh, this feisty Puerto Rican woman, and, uh, and 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 so they started dating. They actually ended up getting married. And you had this staunch Republican guy that all of a sudden, because his this woman was around him so much and was hearing his rhetoric and how he acted and how he did, all of a sudden this feisty Puerto Rican woman became this staunch white conservative woman. <laughs> you know why? Because you join things, and all of a sudden, because you join something, it starts to change you, doesn't it? It starts to make an impact in your life. And Jesus' invitation is, listen, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. Come be a part and watch what I'll do in your life. And so it continues on in verse 10. It says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors, not like one or two, but it says many, so that means like a whole lot of tax collectors, and it says, other disreputable sinners, and I love that word, disreputable. Does anybody actually use that in real life? You're a disreputable sinner. Like, you're not just a sinner, you're disreputable. So, like, I sin, and my sin is, is it's just sin, but your sin, Nick, your sin, <laughs> whole nother level, disreputable. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, have you ever noticed that, like, your sin's okay, but other people's is bad? And so basically, that's what they're doing. They're, 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 they're qualifying sin. They're like, oh, that's that's okay sin. That's medium sin. Oh, that's bad sin. You're a bad sinner, Colleen. Bad, bad, bad. Disreputable. You know, and, and they're doing that in life. You're not really, Colleen, but Nick, you are. Anyways, it says, but when the Pharisees saw this, so the religious people, they see this going on, and they're like, hey, 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 disciples, come here. Come here. Talk to your boy. I want to know what's going on. And this is what they say. They ask the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum see this right here this conversation that's going on this was the disciples worst nightmare i'm guessing the moment that jesus invites matthew to come follow to come be a part of their crew that they're they're probably going like jesus hey jesus do you think that that's a wise decision like i don't know if you know this but do you know who matthew is have you heard of his reputation it's like Taylor Swift, I got a big reputation, got a big reputation. Ah, oh, you and me, we got a big reputation, right? They're like, he got a big reputation, Jesus, and it's going to mess up your reputation. And actually, we're worried about our reputation based on who you're inviting to be a part of our group. And so do you realize that if you accept him into our community, if you invite him into our community, if he's a part of us, do you know what people are going to think? And Jesus is like, yep. And I don't really care. But gosh, it's worse than me just inviting him into the community. We're going to go to his house for dinner. And they're like, what? His friends might be there. And he's like, yep, they're all going to be there. It's going to be awesome. And so the very thing that the disciples have feared is happening. The religious leaders are hot on the trail of Jesus and the disciples don't understand why Jesus would be around tax collectors and sinners and disreputable people and what the religious people would call scum. But what's interesting is as you start studying the life of Jesus and start studying Scripture, of the New Testament, Jesus was unbelievably comfortable around people who were nothing like him. I mean, all throughout, he, people, and, and you know what's interesting, is people who are nothing like Jesus, love being around Jesus. In fact, people that were nothing like Jesus, didn't believe like Jesus, didn't understand Jesus, were constantly seeking Jesus out. They didn't know what it was about Jesus, but there was something about him that was attractive to him that they kept coming to him over and over again. It didn't matter what their morals were. It didn't matter what their values were. It doesn't matter where they were. They were comfortable around Jesus, and Jesus was comfortable around them. He was comfortable with this tension of, you're not like me, but it's okay to be around me. Now, how that relates to us is maybe you're here today, and, and, and you came to church today, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't fit in here. Like, if people really knew me, if they knew, if they knew what was going on in my heart, they knew what was going on in my life, they knew my backstory, there's no way that they would accept me. And I want you to hear this here today. That is our problem as people. Because Jesus would have been so comfortable with you. Jesus would have been so in love having you with him. And so that's a problem we have to get over as individuals and as church people for people that are nothing like us because Jesus loved those people. He was unbelievably comfortable with them. In fact, I noticed this a couple of years ago that Jesus' strategy for forming community uh, was way different than the strategy you and I use. You think about your life, you think about your friends, you think about your acquaintances, they all think like you, they act like you, They believe like you, they love like you, they talk like you, they're educated like you, but Jesus' community, he kept inviting people that were nothing like each other. Hey, I'm going to take a tax collector over here, give me some fishermen over there, give me a liar and a guy that's going to stab me in the back over here. Come on, everybody. Like he just kept inviting this like pot of jambalaya all together and you're like, those ingredients don't mix and Jesus like, they taste good to me. And as he's inviting all these people, all these people of differing religious backgrounds and educations and and ages and economic backgrounds are all being put together and is creating all this tension together. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but as Jesus starts putting all this together, it starts creating tension in his community. And the reason I bring this up is because I think it's important for us to realize that if we're going to create a community that looks like Jesus' community, there's going to be some tension in our community. There's going to be some people that, that look a little bit different, talk a little bit different, act a little bit different, are educated a little bit different, maybe have some different political views, maybe have some different economic views, have a lot of different things. And, and I realize that some of you, you're going to go, well, that tension is too much for me. And that's okay. We realize Coastal is not for everyone. We don't think that we're the best church. We think we're a really good church, but there are great churches all over Broward County that maybe you would be more comfortable in. But in our community here, we're about creating that tension. And so if you're looking for community where everybody dresses like you, talks like you, believes like you, votes the same way as you, is, is has the same income as you, lives in the same neighborhood as you, uh, is educated at the same level, this probably isn't a place for you. Because we believe that that community is the community that Jesus put an invitation out to. Because Jesus' invitation to follow was for everyone. And we believe that ministry is messy. And, uh, and we're going to try to create that community. And that's the key word there. We're going to try to create that. And so we believe Jesus had a strategy Uh, For ministry and it's our strategy to if you're taking notes number one is we declare that everyone's welcome We declare that everyone's welcome if you if you one thing you notice about jesus is jesus was constantly Welcoming everyone to be a part of his community and if you've been around here then you've heard this statement Everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. We didn't pull that out of the air We really believe that that is a biblical model that jesus uh lived out. We see him inviting everyone, man, women, uh, Romans, Gentiles, Jews, uh, uh, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, fishermen. It didn't matter who it was, adulterers, tax collectors. It did not matter. Good people. He invited them all, and they were all welcome. He's like, hey, everyone's welcome, and check this out. The disciples, they didn't understand it most of the time. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing? And there were times they were embarrassed by it, like at Matthew's house. They were embarrassed in that moment. There, there are times where they don't understand. They're like, why Why'd you confront that person, not confront that person? I don't get it, Jesus. Neither do I. I'm a pastor, and I don't get it. But what I do know is that over and over and over again, Jesus was inviting everyone and creating this tension in community. And when you declare that everyone's welcome, it changes things. And the disciples didn't get it at first, but they understood it when the book of Acts came And they started preaching the gospel to everyone. And all of a sudden, there was this community that was formed that we're still a part of today. Because they decided to declare, everyone's welcome. And everyone's welcome is not applauding everything that people are doing. This is important. There's a difference between everyone's welcomed and everything is affirmed. And so I'll put it in your notes like this. Community is at its best... What it embraces both grace and truth. Now, this is tricky because the only person that fully embraced both grace and truth fully was Jesus. Now, you and I, we, we don't embrace it fully. We either err on the side of grace or we err on the side of truth. And what's even trickier is we do it based on the relationship. So if I know you really well, Judy, I'm probably going to err on the side of grace with you because I have a different kind of relationship with you than I might have with you over here, Brazil. Brazil, I'm like, you're wrong. It's truth, truth, truth. Why? Because we treat every person differently, don't we? Let's be honest. We do. And so if we're going to be a community that God wants to See developed here, we've got to embrace both grace and truth to be this fully loving environment where everyone is welcome. And there's not a better story than the story in John chapter 8, the story of the woman caught in adultery that illustrates this better. And so basically what's happening is Jesus is in the middle of the town square. He's preaching a message, and all of a sudden the religious leaders have caught a woman red-handed in the act of adultery. They bring her to Jesus, and they say, hey, the law of Moses says to stone this woman. What do you say we should do? And we've all heard the story. Jesus stoops down in the sand and starts riding in the sand. Right? You, you, we've all heard that before. And everybody's question is, is what is Jesus writing? I believe Jesus is writing the names of the mistresses of all the religious people. And he's like Mary, and this guy's like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, one by one, they take off. They're like, I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see Laquisha there. I'm just going to go ahead and go. You know, it's like, it's like, man, we're, we're out. And so he gets to the end and he's got all the names of their their, 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 their Booty calls and uh, it's church. I'm just going to tell it truth, grace and truth, and uh, and he looks up at the woman and he says, "Woman, where are your accusers?" And she goes, "There are none, Lord." And he says this. He says, "Neither do I condemn you. Grace." I imagine that woman in that moment is like, are you for real? This isn't like hearsay, I was messing around with somebody. Like they caught me butt naked with another man. Neither do I condemn you. Grace. Then he says to her, go and sin no more. neither do I condemn you, grace, go and sin no more, truth. Now, I thought for the longest time, I was like, why why do you have to throw that last part? Like, why the go and sin no more? Like, is that just like a jab at her at the end? But it isn't, because what Jesus is telling her is, is that, listen, sin has a sting. Sin has some consequences. Anybody ever felt the sting of sin before in their life? Raise your hands. Mass confession. I'm going to raise it as much as I can. I've, I've felt the, the sting of sin a lot in my life. And Jesus is completely graceful with her. Neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. The reason he gives her truth there is because he says, listen, you're going down a path that's going to lead to a lot of pain. There's another way. I'm going to give you some truth here so I can redirect your life. So that you can experience the life that I intended for you. And so everyone's welcome is not the same thing as everyone's approved. I I I want us to hear that. And everything, everyone is approved, but everything isn't approved. But what Jesus models for us is this community where there's no room for judging. Where there's no room for excluding. Where there's no room for us turning our backs on people, where there's no room for reducing people down to you're not healthy or you're not normal or you're not spiritual, because the implication of us doing that is is you're not, but I am. Right? You're not, but I'm all that in a bag of chips. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. In my community, that, that's that's not how I. Uh, role. There's no room for that. And I just wonder, and I dream about, man, could it be possible that there is a church in South Florida that says, you know, we, we want to be so loving, that we want to be so fully loving that we're going to embrace both grace and truth, and we're going to be relentless for people that have given up on God, that have said, I would never dawn the doors of a church that are from different economic and religious and social and demographic backgrounds that we would say, hey, listen, we're creating a place where everyone is welcome, no matter where they're at in their journey of faith, to come and explore this incredible invitation that Jesus has for everyone. I think that that could happen here. I think that that could happen here, but this idea of everyone is welcome I'm telling you why everybody loves the idea of it. It creates a lot of messes, and it creates a lot of tension. and makes things complicated, and at times it makes things not make sense. But you know what? I think if we create a place like that, people are going to be able to come in and explore faith, and they're going to be able to find everything that they've been looking for in life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as a church, we believe that everyone's welcome. Number two, we believe that we need to confess that nobody's perfect. We need to confess that nobody's perfect. And Jesus created this community where anyone can confess, you know what, I'm not perfect. Now I dream of a place called Coastal where we can do that, but we're not there yet, honestly. We're not there there yet where we can just go, you know what, I'm going to put away the pretense, I'm going to put away the facade, I'm going to put away the act, and I'm just going to be real. It's hard to do that. It's hard to put away the mask. In. And so my hope is is that we'll stop trying to impress people and just fall in love with Jesus and just not care. And we'll get to this point where we'll just begin to understand that the starting point in the relationship with Jesus isn't the starting point that most of us take. The starting point that most of us take in our relationship with God is I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to try harder to read my Bible. I'm going to try harder to pray. I'm going to try harder to to show up to church. I'm just going to try harder. But you know what the starting point to your relationship with Jesus is? It's It's a confession. It's this confession of this, and I put it in your notes, I'm a mess, and I need you, God. That's our starting point. Not only is that our starting point, that's our starting point every single day. It's it's a very humbling statement, but it's a very powerful statement. I'm a mess, and I need God. I need you, God. In fact, I I want you guys to say that with me. I'm a mess, and I need God. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm a mess, and I need God. You know, I, I come from an alcoholic background, and I remember going to uh, uh, an AA meeting, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to an AA meeting, you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but what's interesting is, is, is when you go to an AA meeting, there's, a, this, there's this weird group of people in the room, it's like people that would never be around each other are, are there together, and in the big book, uh, number two, um, chapter two, it actually says this, it's this great statement, it says, we are a people who normally would not mix. But there exists among us a fellowship of friendliness and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. I love that quote. We are a, we are a people who would not normally mix. I think that should be said about the church we're a people that would not normally mix but we gather under this understanding that we are a mess and we need God i'm a mess and i need God and the early church they that got that's this that's why in galatians 3:28 they said there's no longer jew there's no longer gentile there's no longer male there's no longer female there's no longer slave there's no longer free for we are one In Christ Jesus. So they're looking around and they're seeing all these groups and they're going, hey, we're not these things. What we are is we are a mess and we need God. We are united as one under Christ. And what unites us is is we are a mess and we need God. And listen, if you're a mess here today, welcome home. And if you're not a mess, we're going to help you with that. We're going we're to we're <laughs> we're help you because you don't know you're a mess, you're a mess. <laughs> Scripture is real clear about that. It says in 1 John 1, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we say, I'm a mess and I need God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins cleanse us from all wickedness. Listen, we're a mess and we need God. And where that plays out in our church isn't really on Sunday morning. It, it happens throughout the week in our community groups. It happens in our connect groups. And if, if you're not part of a connect group, you're missing out on the greatest part of our church. It's, it's the part where people get to know you and you get to know people. Where you are known and you get to know others. I'm going to encourage you, don't, don't just make Sunday a habit. Make community a habit in your life. And so we believe that everyone's welcome because nobody's th- perfect. And number three, we believe that anything is possible. And this is the part that I love as your pastor. This is the part that I love about Coastal. This is the part that I love in Jesus' community. You just never know. You just never know what is going to happen inside of somebody or through somebody or at some moment when you put Jesus in the middle of a relationship, anything can happen. And anything is possible. And when God puts his spirit inside of you, man, it starts to change everything. You don't even know how you might change the world. And this is, this is why I'm addicted to ministry as your pastor. This is why I love stories like this where, where it's the story of Matthew where all of a sudden Jesus welcomes him. He invites him in. And everything changes in Matthew's life. He's like, man, I'm going to repay people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop collecting taxes. Man, I'm going to follow you. And he's radically different. Change. Why? Because anything is possible. The love of Jesus will break down walls that nothing else can break down. And as the truth of Jesus gets in your life, all of a sudden you'll start to come to grips with reality and the grace of Jesus will give you a second chance. It's amazing to experience. And the same thing that Jesus did while he was here on earth He's still doing in lives today. And I believe that as a church, we are to be ambassadors of hope. We're to to pass out hope like we pass out candy on Halloween. Man, we're just to dole it out like crazy. And i put it in your outline like this. Following Jesus compels us to see people not for who they are, but for who they could become tomorrow. When we see people, we're not to see them for who they are today, but for who they could become tomorrow. To borrow, And that's what we are all about as a church. That's what we're passionate about. In fact, it reminds me to this moment in the very beginning of our church. When Shayla and I first moved here, we started meeting with people. We started doing all these outreaches. We were doing this, this water bottle outreach. We used to go to the corner of uh, 441 and Wiles. And basically, we'd, we'd go to Sam's Club and buy like a pallet of water we put it in these huge garbage cans, fill it up with ice, and and as cars would get the stoplights the stop there, we'd run out the road and hand out free water to people. And uh, it, it was crazy. It's like playing uh, Serving Frogger in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're dodging cars on 441, and we'd have signs that it would say free water, and people would be like, there's nothing free. And we'd be like, this bottle of water is, and salvation is. We get to have all these crazy conversations, and one one Sunday uh, or one Saturday we were out there before we had ever launched. It was in July of 2009. We were out there and serving, and I saw this guy come around the corner, go and pull a U-turn, pull up to where I was and he and he got out of his car and he goes you're never gonna believe what just happened i was like what's that sir i thought he was pretty animated so i thought he was maybe he was excited he got a free bottle of water he's like that guy over there and points to one of our volunteers in a red shirt that say uh you know serve on it he's like that guy just cussed me out and then he cussed me out and it was great and uh And, uh, and and so I was like, oh, th- that 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 did not go very well, you know. And uh, and so we we get to the end of this water outreach, and and uh, I, I walked over to the guy that he said cussed him out, and uh, I remember I walked over. His name is Mark, and I, I put my arm around Mark, and I said, "Hey, Mark, how you doing?" Not, I can't believe you cussed somebody out. You're not welcome here. Like, we don't do that in this community. I just said, hey, Mark, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm okay. No, I said, hey, Mark, how you really doing? I remember in that moment as I had my arm around his shoulder, Mark goes, man, I'm hurting. Before I met you, I just suffered a divorce. My wife... She has the kids right now. I miss my kids. I'm hurting and I'm broken. I remember having my arm around Mark and just telling Mark, man, you know what? I love you. Jesus loves you. You're welcome here. And I believe that anything's possible in your life. and I prayed and we continued to pray and little by little Mark's life and situation started turning around. Over time he got into business for himself and started building his business. Over time he ended up getting his kids back who are thriving today. Mark is a Today, a leader at our other campus. Why? Because the anything that's possible is Jesus can take your hurt and make healing. Jesus can take your brokenness and create wholeness. Jesus can take the broken pieces of your life that you think are never able to be put back together and create this mosaic that is more beautiful than your picture originally was. Why? Because everyone's welcome. Because nobody's perfect. And anything's possible. And as a church, I believe that we give people hope against all odds that what they did yesterday doesn't have to determine their tomorrow. Because of what Jesus did yesterday, we can have a hope for today and so we're going we're gonna to pass out hope. We're going to deal hope. We're going to love people. We're going to serve people. We're going to believe in people. And we're going to trust God for the impossible in life. Church, this is us. welcome here because you're in a place that's full of jacked up, messed up people who are trusting in a Savior who can change everything. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, we love you in this place. We thank you that you're a God who was willing to give His one and only Son so that everyone could be welcome. So that everyone could experience grace and truth in a a God who is fully loving. And maybe you're here today and all you know is rules and religion and all kinds of other things, but you've never experienced that kind of love. A love that says no matter where you are or where you've been or what you've done, you don't have to put your life all together. Listen, you just come to the cross of Jesus Christ and you just start to follow. We'll worry about all that stuff later on. And maybe you're here today and you need to experience that. Maybe you need to experience that grace and that love and that forgiveness. I ask Pastor Josh to lead you in prayer.